What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge. We're back after week two of the Prem. Two weeks in, feeling good. Um, not feeling great about the fantasy uh, Prem so far, but feeling really good about the, the Premier League season. It's been awesome, action-packed, lots of goals, end-to-end football. Um, it's been awesome watching. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty buzzing over here, Jack. I know we say that a Would lot. You, but Yeah, you think, you think awesome is a good word? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Did um, we get awesome? Uh, yeah, no, the season has been off to an absolute banger of a start. Um, some teams at the top, some teams at the bottom. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some teams that are on the rise, some teams that are pretenders, some teams that um, are uh, are below where they should be, and kind of give you uh, our forecasted, you know, like with the table right now, two weeks in, you got a little forecast of what's going to happen. Teams that we basically are going to stay linear with that, and then teams that are going to kind of drop off or ascend based off of their forecast. We're also going to cover some major headlines in the Prem this week um, with uh, some of the rumors, especially on the transfer front as we get closer and closer to the transfer deadline. Um, And then a little segment this week, Chris will be introducing Fantasy Corner. So Chris just mentioned right there he is 0-2 to start the season. I am 1-1 after playing Lockmania, um, and Chris played Lockmania week one, so he's taking chunks out of the Just Goes to Show pod. He'll love that. Um, and then we'll wrap up with the predictor app picks. Um, as a reminder, NBC predictor app, um, we'll go through the, uh, to join the league, it's the NBC predictor app, and the league code is S9YQB6. Um, to join the league, compete with all of us, you can see where you stack up. Chris, who's currently 1, 2, 3 in the predictor app? I think we should save it for the end of the pod to so make sure Ooh. everyone's listening the whole way. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you It'll are be a nice little treat we, at the end. We'll get, yeah, we'll give you a little cookie if you listen. So if you're <laughs> top three, listen to find out. Um, so coming back to the top, uh, we were talking about some of the major headlines in regards to transfers. Chris, there's one headline that's dominating everything that everyone's reading about the Prem. How do you feel about it? What's your take, the striker situation between City and Spurs? Well, yeah. Um, well, I thought that well, the big one today, so current event time, it's Thursday, um, Ronaldo to City, which seemingly came a little bit out of nowhere. I, I guess there have been some murmurs here and there, um, but Ronaldo seems like he wants out at Juventus. I guess there was a big dramatic thing today where he like packed up his locker, which I don't know. Oh, shit. Really? I mean, yeah, like they're, these, we're talking about like hundreds of millions of dollars here, but I guess the guy packed up his locker, so he's gone, right? But um, mm. no, I mean, it all, it obviously has like kind of been spurned on by Harry Kane saying he's going to stay at Spurs. But I mean, realistically, Jack Ronaldo, um, I think what I've been reading is like 25, 30 million uh, pound fee from Juventus. Or that's what they're asking for, at least. Um, do you think that makes any sense? It's kind of a weird move for Pep, I feel like. It's a super weird move. And let me, the reason why it's a super weird move is because uh, City are kind of famous, and Pep is kind of famous famous for not signing players over the age of 30. He's very big on weight in the diet of players. Um, you know, a lot of players who are close to, who played for Manchester City in the past, who have had sort of issues with weight. Yaya Toure talked a lot about how he struggled to break weight at City. And Pep is like, you know, crazy all over, like, you know, nutritionists all over, like, you must, you must have, you must be very lean. He always talks about how weight is the mo- one of the, the most important thing a footballer can bring kind of outside their technical ability and their mi- mentality. Um, and, you know, not saying R- Ronaldo's fat or anything like that, but th- that's kind of the emphasis that they have on, on youth and fitness. And Ronaldo is 36 years old. Um, so he doesn't fit that mold at all. Um, I think the reason, and the, it's very non-traditional. It's a very non-traditional transfer. He's a very non-traditional p- player. He's a generational player. You know, probably the best or the second best or the third best player of all time, depending on how you ask. Easily top five. Um, and 
I think you've got to think from a city from a city perspective. If you're thinking about the move financially, they pay 20, 30 million quid for him. They get him. He plays maybe what a season, maybe two. I people say he's going to play till he's forty because he's in such ridiculous shape. He doesn't drink or anything. Um, so do they get him for a season or two in his late thirties? And is he fit? And then do they make that money back in like jersey sales? There's a lot of buzz around Messi's move to PSG about how PSG like almost instantly they like doubled their social media following because because Messi joined overnight. Um, they also like made back at least fifty percent of the transfer or uh, like his first year's wages within the first like week because of jersey sales. Like just like you're seeing a kind of ridiculous math like that on Twitter. So I think financially it. I don't know enough about, you know, revenue back to the club from Jersey sales about a transfer like this. It's just very non-traditional. So it's difficult for me to speak to. I think um, part of it is this like the craziness of Argentinian fans uh, with Messi is going to spike that too. Like they just have more of them than like Portugal's is not a very big country. Um, But Ronaldo obviously. Shout out Zerms right there. Yeah, Yeah. I know. He's going to freak out when he hears that. But um, no, I mean, I think Ronaldo's, as big probably as Messi worldwide I think it probably wouldn't be as immediate as an impact at um, City like Messi I think is known more so as like the GOAT and I think he has a little bit more of a rabid fan base than Ronaldo does I mean it could be wrong there Mm but um, I don't know I think it it makes sense a little bit in the sense that I still think City if anything they're lacking a like real like striker goal scorer and i think ronaldo probably could play that for a year or two uh, i think yeah. in their in their heads if they're going to bring him in it it would have to be for two years which really makes sense um they're gonna be paying him crazy wages and then like maybe after that you ship him out to the mls um and pick up some of the transfer feedback or whatever but i don't think they're really even concerned with that they're just thinking all right well harry kane we were trying to get him for 150 million he's not coming we could bring ronaldo which financially will bring us a lot of commercial revenue and might work out in the pitch and worst case we have him for a year or two and next season in the summer we just make another move or in january we do but it's weird and you know you're seeing now that like they're gonna have to offload players maybe if they do bring him in and raheem sterling keeps getting floated around and I'm, I'm kind of baffled a little bit with how quickly it seems like he's fallen out of favor um i mean he was probably england's best player i mean most like effective player at least at the euros and he's not old I think he still has a lot of a lot to bring to the table there, but I don't know. I mean, I think it could work. It's it's just weird. It feels really odd that City would be the team doing this and not United or um, maybe like Chelsea or something. Yeah, I mean, it is worth saying out loud that Cristiano Ronaldo did play when he was younger in England previously for Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. So like, total, you know, if you're a United fan, like you're thinking, wow, like they always had like a little piece of Ronaldo. And that's totally out the window if he goes to City and helps really him win the title. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's honestly like if I'm City, I'm thinking you know financially. Financially aside, let's kind of pretend that money is an object here. I think it's a fucking brilliant move, right? You bring in, um, you know, one of the most prolific goal scorers of all time. Um, he's not quite a number nine, like your traditional number nine. I think but he like, could do that at this City, stage, though. Is, yeah, exactly. He can do that, sta- that at the stage of his career. And, like, City don't even really play with one, so he can be pretty fluid as well. Tactically, very good with his feet. He's good in the air. I've always said that about Ronaldo. Um, he, we know he's athletic enough for the Premier League. He's played there before. Um, he speaks the language. Um, and, and I think most importantly, he brings that relentless 
desire to win. Everyone always says like, you know, Ronaldo's like a, a Michael Jordan kind of like psychopath. I want to win competitor. Like I'll, I'll bite your head off to, to win. And I think like city probably need a bit of that, uh, especially if they're going to make another run at it. Right. Like it's, it's hard. Everyone says it's hard to win it the second time around because you know, you've already, you just won it last year. And so you kind of naturally take your foot off the gas and bringing in Ronaldo, I think would definitely ignite that kind of winning mentality flame. And so, yeah, I think it's a brilliant move if they end up pulling it off. And financially, again, I can't speak to the finances of it, but I think it makes a ton of sense. I think they're probably going to end up doing it by what I'm reading, too, because it just does it does seem like him and uh, Juventus are headed for a split. But um, yeah. So anyway, let's let's kind of pivot to the reason why City have to make the move. So Kane stays at Spurs. What do you think about this? I, I guess Daniel Levy uh, won the war here with Kane to keep him there, yeah? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's one of the I see it from both sides, right? I see it from the business side um, when how um, Spurs are looking at this and saying, you know, Harry Kane just signed like virtually a lifetime contract, you know, two seasons ago that no one forced him to sign. Basically, at that time, two years ago, committed its future to Spurs, and you know, uh, and and so you've got to hold a player to his contract, and you have the right to do that. And they're paying him. It's not like you know he's making chump change, and it's not like he's not the captain, and he's you know the center forward of England. He's not having a shitty career. Um, but from the flip side, uh, at, you know, two years ago when Kane signed that contract, he probably thinks you know they're pushing on with Pochettino. At that time, they I think they just finished. Second, um, like third, no, I think third was in the third? league. They or, were they it, were pushing might, though for the title. Yeah, that year. it might it might have been second. That was the season where Liverpool had a really good kind of half the season. It kind of it becomes a blur with COVID. But so at that point, Spurs are really pushing on to the top three. Pochettino, you know, they've got all these good players coming in. Son, Deli Alley's playing out of his mind. A lot of good, you know, kids coming through the academy, and he was one of them. And then kind of that trajectory slid off. Right, they've gone with. They, you know, the Jose Mourinho experiment didn't work, um, and then you know now they're with Nuno Espirito Santo, and you know it's it's kind of seems like they're almost you know they're kind of in a Leicester spot right now, right, um, where they're you mm. know outside almost outside the top six, um, but uh, you know so I, well I, think, I don't think Leicester are, uh, <laughs> that's that's unfair to Leicester then because they're not really outside the top six in my opinion. I mean well, I think well, that they, it's kind of similar um, and. But both those teams are probably ahead of anyone else outside the top four. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know. I think Kane to Manchester City makes them a clear-cut title favorite. They're guaranteed to win it. Um, the fact that he's not there makes it a little more more open. I think if City get Ronaldo, you've got to think that they're you know a shoe in to win it as well. Um, but I think. Uh, I don't well, know. I, I also like. I, I, it's hard for me to have. I'm not a Tottenham fan, so I don't. I'm not I know. So let's, whether he stays or goes. Let's talk about Spurs though, then, um, because they've come out the gates two one nil wins, and their first one. So this was uh, out of the batches that I've watched so far. This was my first or second favorite one. Um, Spurs City, and it was physical, especially in the second half. I mean, there were everyone. It felt like every thirty seconds, people were going hard into challenges sliding all over the pitch and the refs were letting it go and it got really chippy at the end Grealish picked up like a little Mm -hmm. bit of a um a whiny yellow card where he's complaining about a call and um I mean it was it was extremely physical uh who was it was it Gundogan who like basically like like he like broke his shoulder almost got absolutely rocked um and so it was a fun one but like Spurs had a lot of heart uh Tanganga looked incredible at right back and I mean that's a it's a statement to go out and shut out the defending champions Man City uh, the first week and then they come back and they play Wolves which is Nuno's former team and they win one nil again and Deli Ali is playing well he's starting Sun's looking good I mean Lucas Mora had a great game against City um, a bit of a let off against Wolves but I think that 
if you're a Spurs fan, when Nuno got hired, you were probably pretty upset. He was, like, I think he was like their fifth or sixth option. It seemed like they were going through a ton of options. Like every three days, there was a new guy linked. And Nuno almost felt like a guy that was like, a, oh, well, we got to get somebody eventually. So Nuno's still floating right. out there. We'll pick him up. But, I mean, he's looked pretty good. They've played with a lot of heart. He's keeping Kane. They're investing some money. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like as far as the first two weeks go, it's been pretty pretty good for Spurs. It'd be hard to top that with any other fan base right now. And I know you're going to shit on all that, but I did have to get that I, out there because I think that is a legitimate argument. I, listen, I think... I think Spurs, over the first two weeks of the season, I think this probably transitions well into our, our teams that have done well or haven't done well so far to start the season and who right. we think people are going to be at. I think Spurs, um, I, I'm, I'm absolutely not all in on Spurs. I, I actually, I think, I think they're going to end up right around, like, right around ninth or 10th this season. Um, I really do. Um, I think after the first two games, they've, they, they've scored two goals, haven't conceded any. Manchester City couldn't finish. I mean, Riyad Mahrez is, is, is wide open alone in the six-yard box, misses the net. Um, had, I think, like, just blazed so many shots over wide. Um, yeah, and, and so the Man City couldn't, couldn't bear any chances. They, they were lacking a number nine, shout out Ronaldo. And then in the second game, uh, they got the penalty early, and then Wolves, similar story as Cities. Wolves were all over. Wolves are the better team in that game. Yeah, Wolves have a lot and Spur- of— and Spurs, Spurs grinding out that result. Yeah, Wolves have so, a gripe for not getting any points out of that one, I agree. But at the same time, you look at uh, Spurs, those are two difficult fixtures. Um, obviously, City a little bit more so, but you're away against Wolves, and you're, the, the players are probably gearing up. They're going up against their former manager. They're probably a little right. riled up for that one. And they got two 1-0 wins. They haven't been able to really play Harry Kane at all, and um, who's their best player of all time. And he's 28, so he's in his prime. And they haven't played either of their new signings, really, either. Uh, Romero and Gill, I don't think I've gotten a minute yet. So they have more guys that are going to be coming into this squad. The fact that Nuno's giving a chance to Deli Ali the first couple of weeks, I love, because I still think that guy has ability. And Lucas Mora looked like a, he was a revelation against City. Like They still have some good players there. And I think Son somehow remains one of the most underrated players in the Prem because he's one of those guys, like, every time you watch him, he's very impressive. And he's just extremely dangerous and difficult to deal with and unpredictable. And there's only a handful of guys that are like that uh, out there. And so I'm not thinking that they're going to be a top four team this year. I, I'm, I don't have crazy expectations for them. But I, I would say that I'm very uh, – they, they've definitely exceeded my expectations through two weeks by a lot. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I can't argue. It's a results business. It's that classic debate of, right, of like, he, they have two one nil wins. It's the – the classic debate that happens in football all the time. Like you get good results, people knock you for not doing it in a sexy way. Um, you get bad results, but you're playing attractive football. People knock you for your results. I, right? I know. So I know. It, Wolves, it feels like a swinging pendulum sometimes. Wolves fell off a table a little bit last year, especially after Jimenez got hurt and everything. But they were pretty good under Nuno for those. You know, the, the two seasons prior, and like, I think he's got some ability as a manager. It was. I think it was a weird hire coming right after the the Mourinho sacking, and you bring in another Portuguese guy and. Um, you know, just coming off of like a weird ending with Wolves, but it could work out. You don't know. I mean, who, who knows with Spurs? They're they're up and down and just like any of these teams are really. But let's move on. So um, I think the other team that's probably been the most impressive is West Ham United with David Moyes uh, in charge. What are your initial reactions to them? So West Ham, I think, are... Um, again, very strong shades of David Moyes' Everton back in like kind of 2011, 2012. Um, they are one, probably the most prolific team on the counterattack in the Premier League. 
Um, and that's going to get you a lot of good results in the Premier League, um, especially when you are stacked up against, you know, top four opposition, right? And so I think, um, you know, with the depth of this league and with the strength of this league, the way West Ham play is just is, is comfortably going to get them in the top half of the table. Um, and I've been very impressed. I think Mikel Antonio, everyone's been impressed with him. He's just a, he's a freak athlete. If he can stay healthy for a, a long time, he's, a, you know, probably in my mind, the most athletic player in the league. Um, and then... You know, Saeed Ben Rama sort of picked up that Jesse Lingard role where they needed him to start picking up goals, and he looks more Premier League ready. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think, listen, I think they're a very, very strong team on the counter. Where I think they'll struggle is I, th- I think they'll struggle um, in the opposite games where they sort of have to take the game to the opposition, right? Where they have to play the Newcastles, where they have to play the Norwiches, the Burnley, the Wolves, the Palaces, Southamptons, etc. Um, those games, they, they tend to look less in, con- you know, they tend to look less comfortable when they have more players further up the pitch and those players don't have as much space um, because, and then they're not able to lean into their athleticism as much. So it'll be interesting. I'm not as obviously they're top of the league right now in goal differential. I think they'll probably end up, um, you know, duking it out with Spurs. Um, I'm liking kind of like a, a eight spot for them. I think eight seems a little bit low just considering what they did last season. Um, but they will have, you know, more European fixtures to contend with and your exactly. squad, squad depth could definitely be an issue. Um, what do you think about the rumors that seem almost confirmed at this point that Zuma is going to be coming to West Ham as well? Kurt Zuma from Chelsea. Yes. Zuma's, I, I, I rate Zuma really highly. Um, he's been in the Premier League for a long time now, for, especially for his age. And then Chelsea are going to bring uh, Kunde, Jules Kunde, um, with that money. So Yeah, from Sevilla. Right. I, I mean, I like Zuma a lot. I think that team, I think, I mean, they're playing Craig Dawson, Angelo Bonna. I think the way that they play with Declan Rice in front of you, any center, center back is going to look good. I think Zuma will, will, will thrive. I, I don't know who they're going to play him with, but I, I can't imagine comes in as their, be, their best center back. I can't imagine he plays with like Bonna because I feel like they play a little bit of a similar game. They both um, like love getting up on, on set pieces. And I think, um, you know, I, I think that Zuma is like a big upgrade from Agbana, and Zuma had five goals last season for Chelsea. I think he only had like about twenty appearances, and he's not young or he's not old at this point, but he's definitely not young. He's very experienced. He's been around for a long time. Been at Chelsea, moved out on loan here and there, um, but he's twenty six. He turns twenty seven in two months, so you know it's, he's experienced, and I think that's something that West Ham could use is bringing in a guy that already has that Premier League experience. Um, but, you know, you already have Cresswell on the left. You got um, Kufal on the right. That's not a bad back four, even if, regardless of who they pair him with. And, uh, I mean, I think that that's West Ham's biggest opportunity is still defensively. They might be a little bit shaky, but they're able to hold on to Declan Rice, who's really solid as a holding midfielder for them. He's been great. I think he has the highest pass percentage so far through two weeks out of anybody in the, the Prem. So um, I like what they're going. I mean, I... I I hate to say it, but Antonio just seems like it's a matter of time before he gets banged up a bit. Um, yep. But make the most of it while he's healthy. It's just got such a history of not being able to to make it for more than 10, 12 games at a time, it seems like. Um, but if he can do that, then I think, you know, I think that they could push top four if everyone on that team stays healthy. But, um, you know, realistically, they're probably closer to like sixth, seventh. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, I, I think it's easier. Yeah, I think it's easier at the high. But I, I'm pushing them at eight. I think they're going to have to suffer when they get into Europe. And again, a couple of injuries. I think they really struggle. Antonio gets injured. Um, you got to think who's, you know, who's going to play up there. Um, they, they lose Ben Rama. You know, they lose, um, they lose either Cresswell or Kufal. Right. Uh, 
um, Rice as well. Like you, you know, you can't Soon really check even. Of, I feel like all the players in that team are very crucial. Yeah, um, they're essential. They have a they're it's a the same, team that same. They know they're the same starting eleven as last season. I was going to say know. they they know their best their best eleven. I think yeah. as much as any team right now, and that's part of the reason why they've come out the gates flying so much, is because these guys most of them have already played together and they gel really well together. But I agree, one or two injuries and it really could disrupt things. Right. I think um, other teams that I think uh, you know I'm I'm uh, well to flip it I guess a team that I think is actually where they're at in the table and will probably stay in and around that area. Um, I, I see Leeds United at 50 and picked up one point. Um, they've scored three and conceded, uh, and conceded seven, obviously with that thumping to Manchester United in week one. I think Leeds are in trouble this season. I really do. Um, I don't think they're going to go down um, because they'll kind of like schoolyard scrap, like street brawl enough games to get to, to stay around like 13th or 14th, but I don't think they're getting top half. I think they're going to hover around there for the rest of the season. Um, I think Bielsa, and you look at the preseason fixtures, the preseason fixtures have been awful. Um, Bielsa signed a contract like a week before the season started. I don't know what's going on there. And just a one-year deal, right? It seems like they're just like desperately shoestrung to, you know, bootstrap like tied to Bielsa's kind of madness, which doesn't really seem sustainable at the club level. They also really haven't brought in anybody to know right? No transfers. Um, so I, I, you know, I think, listen, Leeds will have their fans inside the ground and there's a lot to be made at Ellen Road, but I think there's some way off of being an established Premier League club. And I think you wipe away the Bielsa shine and it's not pretty there, right? They signed Patrick Bamford to a five-year deal. I think Bielsa goes and Bamford's a championship striker at best. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously Bamford just had so many chances created for him last season. I think he probably... I think he might have led the league in uh, big chances missed. I actually was looking at that earlier um, last season, but he obviously scored a lot too. There was just so much for him there. Um, I do think he's still a decent player, and I don't know. It just it's, it is weird. Like Leeds had that magic about him last season, and then you look at their squad and you're like, uh, I don't really know if many of these players are that good. Um, like I think Rafinha's decent. I think Bamford's decent. I think Mateus Click is okay. Um, and some of their defenders I like. I like Luke Ayling and um, Liam Cooper a bit. But, like, at the end of the day, and, and Melier actually, <laughs> it's unfair that he, they gave up five goals, I feel like, to United because um, I think he's a really good player too. They got thwomped by United. We're not, like, we haven't but I think, talked about Paul Pogba. Th- holy shit, that game. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I don't think they're a top-half team. I just don't. I think the tactical nuance, like everyone who's playing Leeds this season will figure them out because obviously Leeds play, everyone knows, very man-to-man, like helter-skelter football, right? So it's kind of like man-to-man defense on the basketball court. And the the way you beat man-to-man is you get a lot of players sort of roaming out of your position, out of position into different areas where they should be picked up. So, you know, using the Bruno example against Leeds, Bruno had a field day. Yeah, um, and Pogba on the left. Because he because he pushes up in and plays almost at a center forward, whereas he's being man marked by a central midfielder, right? So in reality, the center defender should pick up Bruno, but he doesn't because they're taught to play man to man with the with the center forward. So it's very very the way you beat that is a lot of heavy rotation, and everyone in the league outside of the three promoted teams are going to have film and footage to look at and know how to beat their man-to-man kind of helter-skelter football. Um, and I don't think they have the talent to really consistently do that over the course of a season. So very, very low on leads, but I think accurately low. Um, and then speaking of teams that you're low Yeah, so low actually on, I wanted uh, to transition because you, you were talking about man-marking. And uh-huh. holy shit, oh my God, <laughs> Arsenal-Chelsea last weekend. 
Pablo Mari against Romelu Lukaku was hilarious to watch. It looked like Pablo Mari was on skates. He, he they, like the commentators talked early about how they're like, oh, it looks like Mari's moving a lot out of position here to to stay with Lukaku, and uh, they would just feed Lukaku with his back to the defenders, and he would just push Mari back five, ten yards, calmly take the ball on and turn like. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if Pablo Mari is as bad as he looked that week or Lukaku <laughs> is just, like, superhuman. Um, but, holy shit, Arsenal have a lot of problems, <laughs> I think. And they, they couldn't play Ben White, but <laughs> he, was really, he was really bad the first week. And, he, like, aerially, they said, like, I think he, had, he won, like, 40-something percent of his duels the first week, which you don't love to see out of a center back that you just spent 50 million pounds on um, playing against Brentford. But... Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you think do you think Mikel Arteta is the first manager sacked? I mean, I think he's probably the odds-on favorite right now, and I've never really rated Arteta. I I mean, I I'll just go on the record saying I think Arsenal are a joke of a club. They have been for a long time. I think I've probably said that in this podcast before, but I don't understand any of their business. They're bringing all these young guys. They do not have a good squad, and I don't know what they're waiting for with Arteta. He just just. I've never really seen anything where I'm like, okay, I know I think this I think this guy could be it since he's been there. It's been really bad and I mean, I don't know if like Aubameyang coming back in the lineup helps. They had to to give him a little bit of uh, the benefit of the doubt. They had a lot of guys out with COVID protocol and injuries, but none of the signings they ever make are really inspiring. I do think Odegaard could help a bit. I do think I watched Emil Smith-Rowe play. He didn't have a great match against Chelsea, but I see flashes with him at least. Like I can see, like okay, that guy seems like he has some ability there. Um, there's lifeless on the pitch, though, man. I don't know. It's it's I, watching that Chelsea game. It was I would have been so embarrassed as an Arsenal fan to be watching that game because it was the easiest win the Chelsea might have all year. It was never in doubt. Right, and I think it's the interesting thing is I think Arsenal are in this position where they are clearly in a youth movement, right? They're clearly trying to do what Liverpool did five years ago, right? Amass a strong, youthful squad, um, you know, have a young, exciting manager, give them a few years to slowly build up, which Liverpool did, again, when Klopp first came in. And then, you know, build build a project, right? Like get themselves sustainably back where they have a team of, you know, five, six superstars. Okay. Right, but, um, which, but like, they're talked about in the same top top six mix. Who is world class on Arsenal's team? They don't have a world class player, right? Um, you think like you kind of look go through every team, like you know Chelsea. You have N'Golo Kante, Romelu Lukaku, Jorginho, right? Um, yeah, you go to Man City. I mean, there's Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish. Um, there's I mean five Real Mares, um, Sterling, Michael Port, Ruben Diaz, Sterling. Like there's you know five. Uh, Five players. So you go to Manchester United. You got Pogba, Fernandez. You've got uh, Marcus Rashford. You go to Liverpool. You got Salah, Van Dijk, right? Like uh, Sadio Mane, Alexander Arnold. Like, all these, all the yeah, all these teams. Spurs even have Harry Kane, right? Like, Son. All these teams. Oh yeah, all these teams have world class players. And who does Arsenal have? Literally nobody, right? Like, they have Aubameyang and Lacazette, who have both been huge letdowns. And they play the same position, and they yeah. and then they play the same position, right? So, um, listen, I think Arsenal are in big trouble. They're they they're at a fork in the road where they even they either say and their fan base is their fan base needs to prepare for this. We're either with the youth movement, which it's very similar actually to Crystal Palace, um, but like they don't have as much to lose. Different right? expectations. Like, exactly, exactly. Where uh, you either commit to the manager and commit to the youth movement, um, or. You know, fans get impatient. 
upper management gets impatient, the pressure from the fans gets too big on upper management, and then they, you know, cut the cut the long-term project, bring in a, sh- a short-term manager to drive results. And sure, maybe they drive results, but then are you back? Do you find them yourself back in a I'm perpetual just, I'm just sick of all their, table cycle? That's all their messaging is just, oh, we're bringing in youth movement, bringing youth. It feels like, this is a dumb analogy, but it feels like an NFL like GM and head coach being like, oh, we just drafted this quarterback. Like, he's not ready yet. You got to give us more time. And it's like, yeah, like, you're Arsenal. You got to get results. Like, they're, they're not playing in Europe. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, I, I get it. Like, you're signing a $40 million backup keeper in Aaron Ramsdale? Like, how is that immediately helping your team? You're signing Ben White for $50 million. You're signing, like, maybe Odegaard. Like, I think that's decent business. But, like, they're not doing enough to, like, improve the team right now. And that's what that that's what they need to do. They're, that's, the, that's the, like, the stature of that club. And right. uh, I don't know what Arteta's waiting for. Like, he should, he should be very aware of that. But I think maybe he just has this, like, this incredible leeway uh, with with management up there and the ownership where he's just like, you know, like we trust him blindly. We're going to do whatever he says. And I I don't know, but it seems like time should be running out. But I I wouldn't want to take that role as a new manager. Like they don't have enough pieces to be the team that they need to be this season. Um, And like I still like blows my mind. They're getting rid of Joe Willick to Newcastle. That guy could fit into that team right now. Like they could use him on that squad. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not an Arsenal supporter. I'm, I'm sorry for anyone listening that is. I, I mean, that was a rant, but like they probably agree with us, right? I mean, right. It's it's that yeah. bad. I think uh, just to name some other teams and kind of brief snippets, why um, I am I unfortunately I am high on Brighton. I think finally their lack, their XG and their lack of goals. Um, Eves Basuma is a world class player. I think they're actually going to be in and about the top half this season. Um, I'm high on Aston Villa because Aston Villa, well, for obvious reasons, but I think Aston Villa got, you know, dominated Newcastle, have three points in the bag, even after a bad first result, and they're nowhere near figuring out what their best 11 is, um, and they and they still managed to dominate Newcastle. Um, I also think Everton are going to be pretty strong. I think Rafa's just, Rafa's just a good manager. I think he's going to do a good job there. Um, I'm low on Leicester City. I think Leicester City are going to really, really slip this season. Um, I think... You know, they brought in Pats and Daka, and I think Brendan Rodgers, what looks like over time, eventually, um, things tend to combust with him in, at the helm. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see that kind of happen, and I'll kind of be smiling as that happens this season. Um, and again, um, I've already talked about, we've already talked about a little bit of the relegation picks, but I think if you're Burnley or Newcastle right now at the bottom of the table, um, yeah, you don't really look dangerous. You don't really look like you're, you can score a goal, and, uh, and you've got zero points through two games, and... Burnley or Newcastle are just – it's got to suck to be a fan of one of those two teams. Yeah, it would. I don't really have anything else to say except that was a little bit of a low blow with Leicester there that you'd be smiling at their demise. I, I just have a lot of admiration for that club, and you know it. But um, let's move on to the fantasy corner, yeah? Yeah, let's move on to the fantasy corner. So fantasy corner, new segment, y'all. Um, we're going to hit you with um, – obviously, a majority of our uh, listening base – plays fantasy premier league we talk about it a little bit um chris and i are both in the ridgeway fantasy premier league again very linear with our nbc predictor app league a lot of the contestants and players in there um, are in our fantasy prem league as well as the championship which is the second division below so um i spent a lot of time on that app i spent a lot of time thinking about what my team's going to look like uh found a way to rope in my girlfriend into into the joining the championship this year so all good all good on the home front um but when we're thinking about, I have two sort of segments and takes, um, best players for their value, and then uh, one to watch. So a player to pick up or one to watch this year. And over the first two weeks, like obviously we're two weeks in, and I think the best player for their value, anyone who's been playing Fantasy Premier League, has been uh, 
Simikas, the left back from um, from Liverpool, got an assist last week. Two clean sheets. He's basically like an Alexander Arnold at three million less that less the cost. But I would actually say best player for their value, like in that same vein. I think Trent Alexander Arnold is an absolute must-have in every fantasy Premier League team. He's a midfielder at uh, midfielder worth of assists and points at, uh, in your defense, and so I think he's an absolute must-have. And I think it's going to be interesting this season. We might actually move away from the heavily reliant top assets uh, like the Mo Salas and uh, Bruno Fernandez. I definitely like the move away from some of the top assets, but I think Alexander Arnold is still a little too pricey for my wallet at this point. Um, I'm not spending that much on a defender. Sorry. I don't like that. Oh, good. Um, And and then to to is done. Robertson says he's playing this week, so get him off your team. That's, that's yeah, gonna, yeah you're, you're going to have to move him out, um, of course, but uh, good value for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, he was, eat. but, you know, it's over. And then... And Move then on. uh, ones ones to watch. I think who you should be who you should have on your fantasy fantasy team. I think Danny Ings is an absolute no brainer. Um, I think he's gonna again he's gonna be in the race for the Golden Boot. Um, I think all the all or vast majority of the goals that Aston Villa score are gonna come through him, and so I think he's easily one to watch. Um, and he is relatively well owned, I will admit, um, but he's absolutely one to watch. And then the other one I will say one to watch is Mason Greenwood, um, because Mason Greenwood is gonna be. Out, at and around the center forward position for Manchester United. Um, and they don't, as Cavani has maybe another season left in him. He's old, uh, obviously not a part of their future. Always probably thinking, I, I want to give Greenwood more time than Cavani. Um, Rashford's injured and more of a winger as well. Um, and Anthony Martial's just quite frankly, like on the fringe at United right now. And it's proven time and time again that he can't score critical goals. And I think Greenwood might be one of the best finishers in the league. It's an absolute sweet left foot and very quick, like snapshot. So I think he's going to pick up a lot of goals this season. I could I could see him sneakily sneaking up into sneakily sneaking up into the uh, into the into the Golden Boot race um, after getting more than and after getting more than twenty goals this season. Sneakily sneaking, I don't think so. I mean, this is the same thing we saw at Greenwood last season, and I like Greenwood. Um, I do a lot actually. I think he's very good, but he got out the gates a little bit hot last year too, and then kind of fizzled out of the lineup. He wasn't even playing that much. But you you always do that shit. You'll always be like, you know what, I like that take a lot. I, I like I, I, I like that. But but no. But it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I yeah, kinda. Um he he did though. He fell off last season. I had him in fantasy at the beginning of the year. Um but no, I, I think those are fine. I told Jack before we recorded that I'm okay with this segment, but I'm a little nervous. I'm playing his mom, Jane Ridgeway, in fantasy this week. <laughs> and I didn't want to give any give away any insight i uh i do have zero points through two weeks so i'm sure she's like really looking to to figure out what's going on in my brain over here but i do have a couple of sneaky little transfers that i made and i just don't want to give away anything yet i'm going to see if people are actually going to listen to this or if things are going to be impacted by it because the the transfer deadline's not until saturday morning so yeah, so this is I okay. So it's that is a funny thing to acknowledge. Like this is a pilot. This is episode one, uh, or you know, pilot week for I think it's a- segment one of Fantasy Corner. And part of the I, part of the hesitation that Chris has is so many of our listeners are in our league. So Chris is like, "Am I just telling everybody?" Our, my if you team? had a if you had to make a Venn diagram of listeners of Just Goes to Show and people in our Fantasy Premier League, it'd be a circle. It would just be one circle, <laughs> and. I know your mom listens. She supports you like any great mother would, and she is one. Um, and I know that she wants to beat me because she also has zero points through two weeks. And so this is a really – this honestly might be a little bit of an early season relegation battle uh, matchup. It's a six-pointer, and I can't afford to give away anything. i, I got to hold all my cards close to my chest at this point. That's tough. That's, uh, that's a lot of cards you got to hold. That's for sure. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think if you're a – 
you know, an avid, an avid fan or you're curious to have more content like, you know, fantasy advice and all that stuff, just let us know. Um, we'll, uh, we'll work on, on getting the segment flowing more and we can maybe even get, you know, different additions in buy or might, sell. We might get some guests for this too. I feel like it would be good to bring in some of the lab boys. Right. Um, maybe to, to, to bring in Dr. Um, Dr. Lo- outside Do- advice. Dr. Lockman, but, Dr. Harmon. But if I'm not saying anything that I doubt they would, because they are very secretive over there. Right there. Um, but, all right. Anyway, let's uh, tr- predictor picks here. Yeah, let's think? yeah let's move on to predictor at picks. Um, Chris, before we move in again, the cookie. Are you gonna shout out our our top three? I think I will after we reveal our scores. <laughs> Holy shit! You really gotta wait for this cookie. Um, all right. So first week, our first game uh, on the predictor app this week, we got Brighton versus Everton. Chris, who'd you pick? 3-1 Everton. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been really good. Richarlison uh, had a good first week. I, I do kind of like Rafa with them. Um, I think Brighton are going to be about as good as they were last year. I'm not as high as them uh, on them as you are, I guess. All right, well, I have 1-1. One, one. Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a tactical duel. I think uh, I think Brighton will have most of the possession. Maybe we'll see an, an Yves Basuma, you know, screamer or something like that. Um, and then Everton... Everton will nick one, kind of like Rafa always does, right? Whether it's like Michael Keane, who's had a bad couple of weeks, um, you know, off the set piece, or you know, a Luca Dean free kick, or something like that. I think they'll nick one as well. It'll be a KG game, I think one-one. Okay. Um, next, Liverpool Chelsea at Anfield, the premier match of the week. It's uh, twelve thirty Eastern on Saturday. Who you got here? So I'm going to stay true with my uh, my top four predictions with the victory here. I'm going to pick Liverpool to win one nil over Chelsea. Um, this is a game that I don't think has a lot of goals in it. Um, it'll be high press, um, really, really high intensity all across the pitch, but I don't think it'll be open, right? A lot of playing out of small, small spaces. Um, and I think, uh, I think Liverpool win one with, you know, maybe a Virgil van Dijk header, Alexander corner, a small kind of snap play that'll make the difference. Maybe a mistake from Mendy or something like that for a penalty. Um, but one nil Liverpool. Yeah, I disagree on this one. Um, I've been really impressed with Chelsea. 3-0 win against Palace, which, you know, take away a grain of salt. It's Palace, first game of their, their new manager. But um, like I said, I was blown away with how much they manhandled Arsenal. I think Lukaku is going to be a, re- a, a revelation to the Premier League. We've already seen him, but it's been a long time. And this guy has gotten bigger, stronger, better. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea, but I think this is going to be a really good match. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, and then next fixture, we got Burnley versus Leeds. I'm going Leeds 3-1, and um, I know that we just kind of talked negatively on them, but that's how bad I think Burnley are. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Leeds 4-1. Um, I think Burnley are trash. Uh, I think they'll, they might even go ahead, but I just think, yeah, I just think Leeds are really going to push the envelope here. And Burnley are going to sit back and kind of take it, and it'll be 4-1. Yeah. All right. Uh, Spurs-Watford. Uh, so in this one, I have Spurs 2-0. Um, I think Watford are miles off it, but I don't know. You know, I, I think uh, Spurs' crucial win was that week one win, and they'll probably start 3-0 because Watford are that bad. Um, and they'll get, you know, they get two goals. Um, but I think any more than that's a bit of a stretch given Nuno's tactics. Yeah, I think uh, Kane returns to the lineup here. I mean, we saw how good Jimenez was uh, under Nuno. And I'm going to go 3-0 Spurs. I do think Watford sucks. That's part of the reason why. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to keep the, the – or 
what is it? Clean sheet streak alive, but um, the goalless, no goals conceded. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Um, that's how you know you're getting to the end of the pod. But uh, yeah, three nil. You got two nil. We're basically the same there. All right. Lastly, Wolves United. Uh, I've got three one Manchester United. Um, I got. If you look at United's fixtures, even sort of preseason, and they they drew one one last week, but just so many goals in their games. I mean, they're just wide open. So um, I expect them to bang a couple home. Um, Wolves will nick one, but three one. Yeah, I kind of think United are like must watch at this point, um, just because a lot, it was kind of like Leeds last year, maybe Leeds this year too, but just a lot of goals and a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go two two in this one though. I think this is Wolves' ba- bounce back game. They actually have the second most shots in the Premier League through two weeks, only behind uh, I think Liverpool, uh, but they haven't scored yet, <laughs> so I think they're due. And um, I don't know. I think at home, this just seems like a game where United were so impressive week one. They they dropped off a little bit last week. I do think they're going to concede some goals here. Uh, I think it'll take a little bit of time. You know, Rafael Ferran hasn't really worked his way into that lineup yet. They're still starting Lindelof. Um, but over time, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. But I'm going to go 2-2. I think Wolves get a little bit of a surprise result there. Yeah, I actually think uh, on that note of Ferran, I think Ferran and Sancho will actually start this game. I think uh, that result. I hope so. I want to see them out there. I think that result last week gives kind of uh, Solskjaer the green light to say, all right, new boys, get in there. Um, and then I think that spark will will drive them over the edge. But we'll see. Um, as uh, And then, again, the NBC Predictor Act leave to join. The code is S9YQB6. And Chris... Drum roll, please. Please reveal our top three. <laughs> okay. Our top three through two weeks of the season. In third place, we actually have a tie. Dan Maints, welcome to the Premier League, by the way, and Andy Ridgeway on 36 points. In second place, we have none other than the tall guy himself, Nick Harmon, on 40 points. And then in first place, it might be a surprise to some, but not me, because I know this boy loves his Premier League. It's... Aaron James Zinda on 46 Ooh. points. So make sure you guys are getting your picks in. I'm in sixth, Jackson eighth. Um, it's very early on. Like if you if you get in now and you start making your picks, you can really have a shot to be towards the top of that leaderboard uh, throughout the season. But uh, it's a lot of fun, Zinda. Keep it up. I love seeing it. Maybe let's win some money, huh? Yeah, why not? Yeah, Z, if you can get all the picks right, yeah, make it like Greek Town again, huh? Like, um, so that's uh, that's all we got this week. Um, again, just goes to show after week two, looking at the rest of the season, and also looking at this weekend ahead. Chris, you got anything else to add? Everyone's human, Rich. Everybody's human. Just goes to show. Have a good one.